This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If it is like, this is terrible, this is ugly, you're not smart, you don't get it, blah, 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 that's called negative. If you even want to call it feedback, it's just negativity, ranting, being mean. You're listening to the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. Whether you're ready to launch the side hustle you've been dreaming about, working to double your freelance income and go full-time, or just seeking inspiration from some of the smart, innovative folks I know, you're in the right place. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha James. You can find me at the Latasha James. And today, today's episode was actually inspired by somebody's tweet. I don't even know whose it was. It was just some random tweet I saw. It read, you either die a freelancer or you live long enough to become a client from hell. And it made me laugh, but then it also got me a little self-conscious. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been working with a lot of freelancers Lately, I hope I'm not a client from hell. And then it just kind of got me down that rabbit hole of thinking about all the questions you all asked me about your nightmare clients and whether or not it's time to, you know, cut them loose. So today we're talking about five signs that it might be time to fire your clients. And really, I think that you can apply a lot of this to a lot of different situations. I haven't really fired a client in a while, but I have recently fired a vendor who made me feel terrible and like I was the least important thing in the world to them. Maybe we'll talk more about that down the line, but you know, I definitely use the same sort of criteria to decide whether or not, you know, They were a great fit for me. So it's all about cutting out that negativity, you know, out of your life. Let's hop into the five signs. It might be time to leave your client. Sign number one is that they have no respect for your life outside of your relationship with them. Listen, I get it. You were hired to do a job. So for all intents and purposes, that's really the only relationship you all have. They're not supposed to like be your best friend or anything like that, but On a human level, you should still understand, you know, as a client, you should still understand if things happen in somebody's personal life or things happen in the world that might affect the way that freelancer performs or behaves. And at the very least, you should understand that that freelancer is probably working on other projects and has other things going on in their business besides just your project. And this is one that I think is just very, very common from a time perspective. You know, maybe your client is calling you at all hours of the day or they're emailing you like just railing off emails like they're going out of style or they have really unrealistic deadlines. You know, they ask you to make changes to things or to approve things or to write things or do, you know, create things in like no time. These are all kind of red flags. And it's not to say that this one thing alone should warrant a firing, but it definitely should warrant a conversation. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is one of those, those, uh, red flags, if you will, that actually does fall to some extent on the freelancer, not to totally blame 
you if you're experiencing this, but a lot of times what I find is that there wasn't a proper boundary setting conversation. There wasn't a proper onboarding conversation when these situations get really bad. And I think a lot of times, at least in my experience, they've been when I've taken things out of desperation. So I've just skipped all of the process. Like I've skipped the onboarding stuff. I've skipped the, you know, talking stages. I've skipped having those tough conversations when the first red flag came up because I was just desperate. I was new and I was like, I just need money. And so I think those are the times when when these things really start to kind of rear their heads. So it is important. I have a video all about onboarding process specifically for social media management clients. So definitely give that one a watch if you need a little refresher. But I think it's totally fair to give them a document that says what your availability is for kind of impromptu calls. If you have any availability, I personally ask all of my clients to schedule a meeting with me, meaning I want to know what the meeting is about before we get on a call. I don't just take random phone calls because they're not productive and I have limited time and my clients probably have limited time too and they're not productive to just kind of rant on the phone to one another. So I let my clients know that unless there's an emergency, which in this world, if you are a marketer at least, there's very few true emergencies. That's the thing I always try to remind people too is, listen, I know things are important. I don't wanna say our jobs aren't important, but we're not saving lives, most of us. But I just let them know, you know, we have to have a meeting scheduled on the calendar ahead of time, unless it's an emergency. And also kind of letting them know what the expectation is as far as response times. Do you check your email 24 seven and therefore reply every minute? I don't recommend doing that, but okay, you can let them know that. I usually let my clients know non-emergency questions get answered within 24 hours via email. And that sets the tone. And it also helps protect you a little bit too. If the client is like, she was so unresponsive and it's like, I responded within 12 hours or eight hours or three hours. Obviously the goal is to under promise over deliver. So when I say 24 hours, I really mean, I usually answer it within the same business day, but the expectation is not an hour or 30 minutes. And you kind of have to like train their thought process to some extent too, because even if I'm available, if I'm looking at my phone and an email pops up, you gotta use your best judgment on whether or not you should answer that immediately because they're gonna start expecting those immediate responses if you do that all the time. Red flag number two is that the client gives only negative, and by negative, I mean not constructive feedback. Now listen, if what you're producing isn't in line with what they want, constructive feedback is warranted. But if it is like, this is terrible, this is ugly, you're not smart, you don't get it, blah, 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 that's called negative. If you even wanna call it feedback, it's just negativity, ranting, being mean, and like bullying, frankly. Constructive feedback is saying, hey, I really, you know, I like the color you used, but I was thinking the fonts would look different, or I would really prefer a more feminine looking design for this or that social post, the copy wasn't very compelling. Do you think you could add like some questions or some emoji to it to kind of spice it up? Those are constructive feed pieces of feedback, right? Not that social post was bad. That was awful. That was terrible. That wasn't good. After hearing those things over and over and over again, it starts to weigh on any person. Just taking the personal side of it out, it's really hard to improve something that just sucks. What does that mean? That's so open to interpretation. 
everybody else has different opinions on what they like aesthetically or whatever. So it it just, you're going to be stuck in this cycle of bad feedback and never really improving and never meeting their needs. I also have found sometimes that some, not all, but I have had clients or heard of clients who do this as sort of like a tactic to get out of their contracts. You know, it's like they do like this stuff, but they just don't want to admit it so that they never have to end up paying you for your work. So be careful of that too. If they're giving very not descriptive <laughs> feedback, you might want to pause things and you can really ensure that you are on the same page and you understand what it is that they're looking for. I had a client like this, like I said, that was kind of out of desperation. So I never really addressed it where I actually did a Squarespace website for this person back when I did those often and it looked great. It was exactly like what he wanted and it was unobjectively pretty good. Like I asked people in the industry, I asked web designer friends of mine to like look at it. I showed the example website that he gave me and it was honestly like pretty close. I feel like it might have even been on the same kind of template, like Squarespace theme. This person was just like, yeah, this just isn't good. This is bad. You, Yeah, you need to fix this. You need to do this. And it was also very like, you better do this kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm not even your full-time employee. If you want to boss people around, maybe don't be a boss, number one, or a leader, because that's not true leadership. But if you want to do that and, and boss people around like they're a servant, or something, you at least need to hire a full-time person because you paid me like $500 for this website. This was way back in the early days, you know? And I think a lot of times you will find, not always, again, I don't wanna make it sound negative, but sometimes you will find people like that who really should be having a full-time employee who they can really train and mold to have their style and do things the way that they like instead of hiring a freelancer for $500 and expecting them to drop everything and just create brand new concepts every time with no direction. Believe me, it's a losing game. Red flag number three is similar, I guess, to some extent, is that they're a micromanager. I understand that it's hard to relinquish control. Believe me, I am a bit of a control freak in my business. I've been running my business by myself 100% for years, like seven years. And I'm just now in these past couple years starting to outsource bits and pieces of it. And it is hard. So I understand that. But I also hire people who I truly believe are experts. And again, this goes back to the being cheap thing. I hire people who are not necessarily the cheapest. I could go on Fiverr and get somebody to clear out my inbox for me or edit a video for me or whatever, but would it necessarily be the quality that I'm looking for? And yes, I know that not all people on Fiverr deliver low quality work, but if I'm gonna pay somebody $5 a video to edit, it's not gonna turn out good. So I do invest in my people. And that's something that, you know, goes into this, that plays into this. So with that said, I am not micromanaging the people who work with me because I have invested in them. I have seen that they truly are experts, that they truly are you know, good at their craft, at whatever it is that I hire them for. And I don't feel the need to be holding their hand and breathing down their neck for every single project that they get done. So I think this is, again, you know, what happens a lot of times is clients who are maybe trying to cut some of those corners or trying to hire cheaply aren't really 
really investing the way that they necessarily should be, they're doubting the level of expertise that you're bringing. And this is another case for raising your rates. I think it all kind of ties in because if your rates are a certain level, it is the perception that you're an expert. Now you of course have to back that up. You have to actually be good. Most of us could probably stand to raise our rates a little bit because it does, it gives a perception that we know what we're doing. If you're working for $5 a video or whatever it is, or you know, nothing an hour basically, yeah, they're gonna feel like they need to really hold your hand for things. So that is definitely a red flag because it's, it's hard to get out of that habit. After week one or week two of working with somebody, of course, you're gonna be kind of more attached at the hip to them. You're gonna be learning their workflows and things like that. But after that, you should kind of be free to be able to do your own thing. And it's not just about how many check-ins there are or how often you're talking to the client, but it's also about, you know, how free you are to make suggestions, how comfortable you feel bringing new ideas to the table, because again, why bother hiring an expert? I've, I've been in this position before where I've been hired at a more premium rate as a social media strategist and been asked to upload blog posts, like copy and paste things. And I'm like, why are you paying me this rate to do this? I mean, it's easy, easy work, I guess, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And then whenever I would suggest something, they wouldn't do it or they would just ignore it. I'm like, you could hire anybody to do this. I'm so confused. So it's just not a good situation because it's very not fulfilling. It can cause a lot of conflict down the line for sure. This one is honestly probably like number one, but it's number four on my list. And that's clients who don't pay you either on time or at all. Listen, go back, look at some of my videos that I've done on freelance contracts and what you should include in them. One of those things is a late fee. Yes, definitely have a late fee written into your contracts or invoices or whatever and abide by them. If your client is more than, you know, seven days late or whatever, stop doing the work. Like, Put a pause on the services. Don't wait for them to be months and months overdue before you finally are like, wait, should I stop? No, stop. Believe me. I mean, make sure your contract is, you know, allows for, for all this stuff. But in most cases, if they're not paying you, you don't need to be doing the work. Things happen sometimes. I have just forgotten things. I've forgotten credit card bills. I've forgotten. Don't really forget freelance contracts because I've been on that side for a long time. And I think I'm very sensitive to that, but you know, things happen. I forget things. Sometimes I'm not a perfect person. I go out of town, whatever. But after that, after like one, I forgot and I was late. Don't stand for it really. And truly it is a signal of how much they are valuing your work, your time, your energy. If you are just a bill that can be written off, just forgotten about, that's a major red flag. And I understand times are tough. It's not always easy, but business owners should be able to be real with themselves. I know whether or not I can afford to have employees right now. And if I'm even starting to question that, that would be the time when I said, hey guys, I'm gonna let you down slow. I'm gonna give you a, a warning or at least tell you, hey, things are getting tight. And I wanna let you, I wanna be honest and let you know in case you need to look for something else. That's part of being a good business person is knowing your numbers and, 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 you know, being able to project and forecast numbers and stuff like that. And if your client is scraping by to get you your 
$1,000 payment or whatever it is every month and their margins are that slim, that might not be the ideal client for you anyway. You might wanna go somewhere that maybe has a little bit more security. And I know that's tough to hear. Again, I know times are tough, so there's no blanket situations for any of these things. You kind of have to go with your gut, but do think about that because usually if it's if it's that hard, most of us are not, you know, charging, I don't know, $50,000 a month, I would say on average per per client, right? If they can't afford a, a lower invoice, how sustainable is their business long-term anyway? And the last one is uh, number five here is, yeah, if they're asking you to do things that are unethical or un- immoral, or if they themselves are doing things that are unethical or immoral, I think those are pretty good cues that it might be time to... Uh, you know, check out. (laughs) I see this a lot with social media managers where a client will basically ask them to buy followers or, you know, game the system in some way. That's just that for me, that's like a I'm out situation. Like I can't do that. I just, I don't have it in me personally. And I also just don't think it's effective. Again, you're paying me as a social media strategist, as somebody who has years and years of experience. I don't think that's the best use of my talents or my skills. I don't think that's something that I should be doing or any of us should be doing, frankly. We're all clearly investing in our educations. We're clearly all trying to make ourselves better at at our craft. Why would you wanna cheapen that by doing something that is so cheap, you know? Run some ads. If If you have some budget, sure, I can help you run some ads, some awareness ads, and help you gain some following, but I'm not just gonna buy followers. You also see way darker versions of this sometimes, you know, with maybe serving clients that are like hate groups or things like that. You know, that's something that I just, it's hard for me to separate. Now I can work with, something that I don't fully agree with. For instance, I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian my whole life. I can work with a company that maybe a small part of their business is serving food and not all of it is vegetarian. That's that's different, I think, for me personally. And you, and you have to know your boundary too, because I'm not saying that if you are a, a strict vegetarian or vegan, you should do that. But I'm just saying for me, that's not something that really would bother me. For me personally, again, and I know a lot of people feel differently, alcohol or any type of substance, legal or otherwise, I won't touch just because I have dealt with, you know, addiction in my family. That's just a very sensitive issue for me. I don't drink. I don't do anything, you know, and I just, it doesn't align. I don't know that I could support those industries that I actually think are personally, again, my personal opinion, are like bad for society. You have to decide on what your lines and what your boundaries are, but if you're being asked to do something that you don't agree with on a moral, ethical level, I think that's usually a good time to check out too. They're not always sinister. If, if a client came to me and said, hey, we're coming out with a new bottle of tequila, you know, a, a new product, it's tequila. They're, that's not being bad. That's not trying to, you know, ruin my life or ruin the world. It's just a misalignment. But like I said, there can all obviously be the more sinister sides of things of let's game the system and and that one should be an instant get out whereas maybe if my client developed an alcohol line I would just say hey I have a great recommendation for you I know this girl she took my course and she actually loves the food and beverage industry let me hook you guys up you know but those misalignments are really going to come out in the long run if I said yeah you know it's fine I'll do this and it wasn't in my heart and in my heart I felt like that was a bad thing personally I wouldn't be able to do a good job marketing it you know, I just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work out. (laughs) Those are my five kind of red flags or signs that it might be time to let your client go. Again, 
think about these things for other situations too. I'm really all about leaving the negativity in the past. I think it's really important to protect your energy and make sure that you are working with people who are helping you grow your career, are looking good in a portfolio, are uh, you know helping you grow as an individual, as a business, and these red flag clients are probably not it. So I hope this helped you out. If it did, be sure to uh, follow the podcast on the podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google and pretty much anywhere where you can find your podcasts. You can also head over to my YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. You can subscribe right down below. But if you're listening on the podcast, it's just my name. Just type in Latasha James into YouTube and you can watch the podcast every week as well as between one and two other videos each week, ranging from vlogs to tips and tricks to tutorials and a little bit of everything in between. So thanks so much for tuning in today. I will see you and talk to you in the next one and have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.